Broadcasting from the Socialist Republic of New York. New York. There's plenty of money in this country. It's just in the wrong hands. The Moss Show. Politics, current events, and just a bit of Judaism. Two guys that are always right. Except when their wives tell them they're wrong. You're listening to The Moss Show. Good evening, everybody. This is The Ma Show with Nachman Mostovsky and Yechesko Moskowitz. How are you doing, Chesky? I'm great, Nachman. How about you? Doing good. Doing good. We are uh, pre-taping the show a little bit early this week because of Yom Kippur on Tuesday night. And uh, we are going to be talking about what happened today on Monday uh, when the president tweeted out a little bit of an interesting tweet about Syria. Uh, Chesky, you able to see that? I love the tweet. Yeah, it was a little bit of an interesting tweet. Um, he he, it was a little braggadocious. Um, but uh, the question is, hey, you know, Trump is a stable genius. Okay. Yes, correct. And of course, you know what's going on with the Kurds uh, in that region is something that you know, as Jews, we should be a little bit cognizant of, especially because the Kurds, the natural is a natural ally for Israel, except that the Kurds are not a um, a one a one type people. It seems. So Nachman, how do you explain this to me? Because I cannot figure out this. Kurd so it seems. Right. It seems the Kurds. I, I I kind of little bit of a crash course on this. The, the difference in the Kurds here. It seems the, the the more Western Kurds, the ones that are on the border of Syria and Lebanon. Are are or with or even within Syria and Lebanon, are more tribal, whereas the ones that are more eastern, are more nationalistic. Those are the ones that are that want to be allied with the West and want to be allied with the United States. Though the ones that are in these tribes did do a very good job fighting ISIS. They were the ones that um, the president, you know, helped. F- because they promised to actually, you know, do what the Iraqis never did and was actually pick up weapons and fight. But it seems that the president, for whatever reason, decided to pull back the troops and he's going to be bringing home the, you know, the, the troops. 25 of them that were there? No, no, there was a lot of, there was a lot of troops there in the border of Syria, um, thousands of them. And uh, it seems that we're going to be either bringing them home or pulling them back. It's not really sure yet if they're actually coming home or they're being pulled back because um, it, it does seem that they're only being pulled away from the border. What that means, again, this was done by tweet. No, I don't think any official policy has been, you know, made yet. And this you could really, also... You really believe that? I, I personally think that... I, I think these tweets are, are, a, are a shot across the bow of uh, Turkey because I don't think any, to be honest with you, I don't think any of these national leaders can actually read the president, and I think he's keeping them on his on his on their toes. And I think Erdogan reads that today and goes, um, maybe I can't kill the Kurds, because if he does, the president may just turn around and say, fine. So now America thinks that there's a country called Kurdistan, the same thing that he did with the you know recognition of Jerusalem and the recognition of the Golan Heights. You know, he can wake up next week and go, you know what? Turkey decided to attack the Kurds. Well, now America believes that there's a new country called so you, Kurdistan. You, you think that Trump, that you're saying this is what Trump wants the Turks to think, or you think that Trump actually just like wakes up once in a while, while randomly and decides and makes decisions? I think a lot of these things float around in his head. He knows that he can create 
policy on whim, which is what presidents used to do in this country up until probably, I don't know, probably late 1800s, um, before they were given a lot of power. Um, but I don't think he thinks that this is something that he can't... First of all, he can always move the troops back in. He can always... I mean, he can destroy Turkey's economy in a matter of literally minutes. Um, he can he can slap... You know, a lot of clothing gets made in Turkey. I don't know if you noticed that. Yeah, a, of a lot of clothing makes get made in Turkey. A lot of small electronics gets made in Turkey. Um, you know, he could slap tariffs onto Turkey. He can, you know, Turkey. He can, he can, he can throw Nate, throw them out of NATO. Um, you know, there's a lot that can be done to Turkey to put the screws on them to, you know, to buckle them down if they attack the Kurds. Um, the question is, what type of message does this send to other minority groups that are allied with the United States? Um, I don't know. I think I think it's mass hysteria and unwarranted hysteria. I, I agree. But, you know, again, the president always knows a lot more. You know, it's the old joke that every president claims a lot of things and then they get sworn in and they get brought into the Oval Office for the first time and the you know and they bring in the military people to tell them what's what and that's the reason why policy really never changes. I think Trump sat down in that in, in that meeting and went, "Yeah, but I think I can change some things." And I think that's what you're seeing. You know, everyone told him World War 3 would happen if they recognized Jerusalem. Pretty sure it's actually been better between Israel and the Arab countries since. Because I think yeah, once probably. things get taken off the table, you're able to actually buckle down and actually get to the intricacies of the issues. But I, I find it fascinating that you're finding so many Republicans on the on the on like I guess you could call them like the like the traditional neocon types that are like going crazy about this. People who have been allies of the president. For pretty closely. Well, you have, to, you have to admit, though, one of the big problems with Obama was that Democrats never, ever, ever, and it was a big thing that Republicans always said about him, about, about them. Well, you never say no to Obama. The truth of the matter is, the Republicans actually do a very, very good job about saying no to the president. And they've pulled him back from many things. You know, they weren't able to pull him back from the bump stock nonsense, but they pulled him back from from universal background checks, which mean absolutely nothing but gun grabbing. You know, they pulled him back from that. They pulled him back from some other nonsense on, uh, on I forgot what it was. There was some, you know, stuff with Canada. They pulled him back with this stuff with the tariffs on Canada. You definitely, look, you definitely need to have a system of checks and balances. You definitely need to have our representatives critical of the president. What I think is interesting is that instead of engaging the president exclusively on a personal level, they were very quick to also use social media. That's true, but, you know, Marco Rubio did that, but Lindsey Graham also said on social media, well, I'm going to wait and see. I have a meeting with the president. I want to see what he has to say. So some of them, which is interesting because you would think that Marco Rubio, would, who was more of an ally of the president's than than, uh, than than Lindsey Graham is. I mean, Lindsey Graham was was always in tune with uh, McCain, and and you would think that he would be connecting right now with Romney, except that you know, you oh, know, there is rumors by the way that Romney is trying to like whip votes to like be a counter voice for Trump because that's just what he. Yeah, I, I think Romney's gonna have a hard time keeping his job in Utah. Um, 
I, I think if Trump wins you re-election... He, you think he's a one-term senator? I think he's a one-term senator. And I don't know. I, I was reading somewhere because it, 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 Utah has some interesting ways. It can, I, it's, from what I understand, it can actually pull back a senator. I, it, it, was, it was an article that said it, it, it's, it's not so clear. But if they can pull him back and Trump wins and then wins Utah, I, I think Trump will go after Romney. So like if Trump wins Utah... He'll go after Romney. Well, I think if Trump goes after, I, I, I think Romney's a one-term senator, um, in my opinion. That's I, I think Utah's going to dump him. Um, I don't think he's not he's not traditionally a Utahan, though he is Mormon. I can see him being a one-term senator. Yeah, isn't he like from like like uh, New well, Hampshire, Massachusetts? No. Well, okay. So he his father was the governor. Um, you know, his father owned. His grandfather owned the American, or was it, yeah, American Car Association or something? They, they manufactured. He's traditionally Mormon? Yeah, yeah, yeah. His whole family's Mormon. But, but they lived in Mormon? Michigan. They lived in Michigan. Mm-hmm. And his father was the governor of Michigan, was from the liberal side, the what they call the Rockefeller Republicans, along with the Bush family. It was the Romney family, the Bush family, um, the Rockefellers. And, and a few others here and there. It's actually one of the reasons why my the party that I'm registered in, the Conservative Party of New York, was started. It was to block these people from getting a hold in New York when Rockefeller was doing what he was doing here in New York. Um, and it was the traditional conservatives. Um, it was gov- it was uh, governor of New Jersey actually, um, who helped with some you know conservatives in New York, Irish Italian. Um, Conservatives and they started the Conservative Party in New York was to stop the families like the Romneys and the Bushes and the Rockefellers, etc. It seems the Bush family, especially this newer generation of Bush, where you see um, the, the Bush in Texas, who's extremely conservative, who's extremely conservative. Um, I think he's like the I don't remember his the title that he has in, in Texas, but I think he's in the land the land commissioner or something oh, like yeah, that the in land Texas. Commissioner, he's a conservative. Uh yes, very much so. He actually does not align with his uncle and his father, from what I understand. Um, he is from the Abbott um, side of the Republican Party oh, in Texas. Yeah. So, he, so Governor Abbott is like machutin with these people. Yeah, I mean, listen, you have what what happens typically is 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 with these liberal Republican families that the children either became more conservative or became Democrats, like the Rockefellers. They wow. became Democrats. Um, um, the Roosevelts, another family that became more, you know, the liberal, the, 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 the progressive Republicans, they went and became Democrats. Right. Um, so what, 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 you, what happened, I think is, is Rubio went in, you know, shot from the hip, you know, he, he hasn't agreed with, with certain policies, you know, as far He's as still cu- not getting over his little Marco. Correct. And listen, they have some, some, some personal issues. I think the only one, to be honest with you, and I have to give credit where it's due, the only one who, and I think the only one who actually has any more, uh, out of the whole group of Republicans that ran against Trump, who probably has the largest axe to grind with Trump would be Ted Cruz. And I think his big, I think Trump's biggest ally right now in the Senate is Ted Cruz. Yeah, I think so, because I think that at the end of the day, conservative voters are not like hung up at least in my opinion, on these kind of like ethical persona issues. And we're I don't think it's ethical. I think it's just more persona. Look, we're a lot more of like basically context voters. Like we're much more interested in what is getting done on a policy level. And Correct. 
Absolutely. That we find that a lot when we're on the road um, together and on the Hill, when we talk to congressmen. We find that the ones who are Freedom Caucus guys are usually a lot more pro-Trump than the classic rhino and, and these are the guys that are typically more evangelical. They're more religious. Um, what's interesting is, and you know, what you said is, is Ted Cruz is is you know he was my choice for 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 the nominee. Even though I'm not a Republican, but I still you know try to help. Um, and the fact of the matter is, is that you are seeing that the more conservative members of Congress are are are, which are typically would have more, which which originally had more of a problem with. Trump's and his, and his persona, which what's interesting is those guys basically at this point are like, you know what? But at the end of the day, policy matters. And we're getting more policy done now than we've ever done before, so including let's, Reagan. Let's talk about policy for a second. Let's look at the foreign policy. One of the biggest, there's like basically... Well, before like, we get to foreign policy, which is what this is about, let's just talk quickly first, first about policy here in the United States. Taxes have been slashed more than under Reagan. Uh, he's gotten rid of more red tape than under Reagan, he's gotten rid of more at an all-time low. Unemployment is yeah. at an all-time low, though. Though Reagan's unemployment, we, we, it had what was always seen as more long-term. We don't know what Trump's long-term unemployment is. We're gonna have to come back to that in 15 years from now. But but trade has been has been impacted more than under Reagan. Re- he's building the wall. Reagan was promised that wall. That that wall was supposed to be started under Reagan. Reagan said publicly said that his biggest regret was ever listening to Tip, Tip O'Neill and the promise that Tip O'Neill gave him that he was going to build that wall. That wall was promised by the Democrats in the 80s. We're first seeing it being built now. Um, to uh, talk about, you know, um, let's talk about, you know, uh, prison reform. You know, I know a lot of Republicans don't like prison reform, but go read, go read some of the early conservative books. They all talked about prison reform. Uh, Bill Buckley's um, book talked about prison reform gold um um uh goldwater barry goldwater's book that was caught co- that was supposedly ghost written by some of these guys that hate that, that, that by the fathers some of these guys that hate trump what's interesting is he has entire sections on prison reform and how it was unfair that blacks went to prison for for slinging crack for more years than whites were going for the same drug in liquid form So it, it's very interesting, you know, because now let's talk about, you know, foreign policy. He's ending wars. He's bringing home the troops. Things that conservatives used to believe in, you know. Yeah, we definitely at one point were not, like, so gung-ho about just fighting everybody's wars across the board. Nixon, Nixon, who was, you know, won one election as a conservative, won re-election at, at, I think he won 47 states or 46 states. You know, he, he people forget, he ended the Vietnam War. That's very true. So here are like the three major criticisms that I'm seeing from neocon type Republicans. Um, I don't really like the neocon title because usually it's usually slammed towards Jews. Yeah, it's un- well. Guess what, Nachman? It's unfortunate, but a lot of the neocons were Jews. They were, but today they're not. The, you, you look at you look at, at at the especially the younger crop of conservatives. Yeah, the younger crop of Jewish conservatives are definitely like Gavin Wax, who we hung out with tonight. Um, Definitely are a lot more the I would guess you could call them the nationalist Republicans. Yeah, I mean, but even if you want to go into let's say the media sphere, you guys like you know Ben Shapiro, guys like Joel Pollack at, at, at Breitbart. Joel Pollack and Ben Shapiro, you cannot call them the same exact thing. Yeah, but they're definitely not neocons. You don't think Ben Shapiro is a neocon? Absolutely not. 
So you have to explain that to me. Why not? He's because he's just not. He doesn't believe. He doesn't believe in nation building. But he wants us to be in Syria right now. Um, that may be to protect the Kurds because the Kurds are, are an ally, and he feels that we're basically dumping an ally. Being dumping an ally would be would a neocon so believe? You're, you're saying you're saying no. If England was at war, if England was at war, and we just dumped on them, would that be a neocon or would that be being a good ally? Okay, no, I hear. So you're saying that Ben Shapiro is not about nation building, at least from your perspective. It's more. Well, he's publicly said he's not. Oh, he's public. I've never seen it. Anywhere. He has, a, I think, an entire piece on how he's not a neocon. Interesting. You have to yeah. send that to me. I'll try to find it. So anyway, so there's basically three criticisms that I keep on seeing. The first one is that Trump basically strengthened um, Kim Jong Kim Jong Un. Right, Kim Jong Un. Kim Jong Un, yeah, he yeah. strengthened him into not sh- shooting missiles across Japan so anymore. They say like, well, he's like, yeah, and the reason why he's not testing missiles is because doesn't because he already has the capability, so he doesn't need to. Um, in the meantime, the the quote unquote, um, the mm-hmm. yeah, the 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 United States, as you know. Um, still has very strong sanctions on North Korea, and in order for a precondition for talks, they're not going to lower sanctions. So I'm not really sure what... Their economy's in a complete downspin. Yeah, and, and the North Koreans, like it was released today, they were like basically warning the U.S. that if you don't um, lower, remove sanctions, we're not going to talk to you. And, and like... I, I Trump heard, doesn't care. I don't think Trump cares at all. Trump doesn't care. Look what he's doing to China. You know, it, it, we there, there's a fame, there's a video out there of a um, a person who actually had to flee China. If I remember correctly, his American citizenship was actually given to him because he was a a, a refugee, Chinese. a Chinese refugee. And he said what Trump is doing is is actually great with China because publicly he's saying the Chinese government is great, but then in business, which is what is which is what the language they speak. Um, which is interesting because they're a communist country, but they're actually more like almost like a proto-fascist country today where they use some sort of market economics to, 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 to push their, their, their communist country. Um, to, to, you know, I heard an economist once say they're actually very similar to Nazi Germany minus the Holocaust. Now, I know that that, that may sound like a crazy thing to say, but remember – there was more to Nazi Germany than just the Holocaust. There was an entire economic belief system that they believed in, a socialist economic belief system, which was nationalizing companies. And you speak to anybody that manufactures, every single factory is actually owned by China. So it, 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 they may have somebody that makes believe like they're the owner, but really 57% of that factory is, and, and when you bring in patents, you have to actually allow the Chinese government to own a piece of your patent. So it's it's a little bit of a strange, you know, System IP there, theft definitely is a yes. And we spoke to Fred Flights about that, and and you know, it, it, what he's doing with China is is that he's he's buckling down on their business, which is why their economy is also plummeting. What he did, what he's doing with Venezuela, um, their their economy is in a complete tailspin. Russia, Russia, what you can claim that he is in bed with Putin. If he was in bed with Putin. He's doing a really bad job because Russia economy is in the toilet right now. Yeah, the president has used this quote unquote like tariff system in a way to do to use economics to do nation building, which is very interesting. Well not nation building, but but, no, but, but I'm like you could look at it as nation building through economics that he's promoting Western ideas and values with the tariffs that he's gonna strengthen. He's enforcing it. He's enfor- yeah, he's enforcing e- e- economies that are respectful. 
and that right. are open-minded about that are actually really engaging in free Correct. trade. So as conservatives, we believe in the free market of free market economics. Free market economics, you know, has you know the unseen hand. The unseen hand is 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 the is the is the part of the economic system in a free market system that basically says that that basically levelizes the playing field. So as as products are new and there is a, a, a small amount of them, the price goes up. Because that because there there's a, a less of a there's 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 more of a need for less of a product. As more products come onto the market, the the unseen hand pushes down the prices, which is one of the reasons why I actually believe in price gouging during during you know emergencies because it stops hoarding. The problem the problem with 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 stopping price gouging is that it creates hoarding. So somebody if you if you can't buy water at ten dollars a gallon. So then what happens is if somebody goes in and buys all the water. If $10 a gallon was, was how much water was, then everyone would just go and buy their half gallon that they need. So I, I, I personally, most, most true conservatives don't actually believe in stopping price gouging in, 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 in a, in, in a, at a disaster. I know it sounds mean, but it's what allows for the market to create a proper equilibrium. And, and the problem is, is that the United States has been getting screwed for so long because we believe in free market economics, but nobody else does. So since nobody else does, we keep on getting screwed. So Trump so basically, basically said, "Free economics only works if when, everybody's playing the same everybody's game." Everybody's going to be honoring their commitments. Correct. Their it economy. would be it would be like playing a baseball game where one team gets to use bats that have cork in them, and the other team's not allowed. So what that what that creates is an unfair advantage. I think it's a better a better example would be just to take your analogy would be like using like what like where both teams are not allowed to use bats with cork in it and one team does use the bat regular full wood bats and the other team uses the bats with the cork and unfor- and for some reason the umpire doesn't actually care care or disqualify the entire other team. In fact, the other team, when they're using the corks, are making the team that's using the regular bats to make them pay for the corks. Pay for the corks, and they have to also start with full bases every right. single time. So it's 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 it's. I mean, it, it's so the president is going, and he's using tariffs to kind of. You know, and I also I even wrote an article about how tariffs are really bad, and they are. They are terrible. They they that we pay it, but at the end of the day, I might actually be willing to pay a little bit right now for you know a little bit uncomfort, a little bit of less comfort. And it's funny, we were speaking to I forgot which congressman that comes from a rural rural area, in in rural America. His entire he told us his entire district is farms. He has not one. He has, I think, a small little like town or village in his district. It is entire rural. It is mostly corn. He told us it's corn, soy. I forgot, and, and some other things. He goes, the tariffs are killing my district. And every town hall I go to, they say, tell the president we are with him. We are. We understand what he's doing because we because our country is getting screwed, and we are willing to take a few years of hardship to right this wrong. And he goes, and I was shocked because I thought I was going to go into these town. He goes, I thought I was going to go into these town halls and 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 be and, and get yelled decimated. at. And he goes and be yelled at. He goes, and here I am. I'm going in. He goes, and every he goes without a th- he goes without a question. Every single farmer understands what's going on. Yeah, of course the media will always find that one farmer who's willing to like chastise the president for the for the CNN camera. You know, they're probably still angry that the Republicans took away slaves. That's why. 
You never know. Yeah, so, you know, it's... So let it, me ask you, another, another criticism is that he was willing to meet with the Taliban at Camp David. What, what, what's your read on that? Guess what? So is President Bush. Yeah, I, I'm old enough to actually remember 9-11. I was actually on the street during 9-11, and I went to school across the street from the World Trade Center during 9-11, and I had a lot of my classmates that were there Why when, when that people just hold on President Bush clearly said that he's going to sit down with the Taliban and as long as they were going to kick out Al Qaeda they refused to kick out Al Qaeda so so it wasn't as much that oh we're going to sit you know not listen I actually don't agree I don't think we should sit down with them but remember President Bush was willing to sit down with the Taliban as that's well a, that's the thing people don't understand we keep on have this reoccurring theme that people just don't get Trump. They don't. Guess what? We sat down with the Soviets to, to, to beat Hitler. If you read, if you actually read The Art of the Deal. And by the way, the Soviets killed a lot more people and a lot more Americans oh, than definitely. Al-Qaeda did. So you read The Art of the Deal, right? And like out of the whole entire book, there's like one thing there that really stands out. Trump likes, is like basically a deal junkie in the sense that he... And he also likes chaos. He, yeah, so he like, creates chaos he creates so he can make a deal. So he can make a deal, and that's like for him, everything is about creating deals. So for him, the ultimate deal is a deal that is that people say cannot be made, and that's like what a, what what makes him that give that gives him, so to speak, from at least from his perspective, from what is written in the art of the deal. It's like that's what gets that, that's a. And, and gets the, him going. And I think we should get to the third criticism, which was moving the Jerusalem embassy. Which, and we're right. going to be speaking soon to Oren Khazan, who's going to talk a little bit about uh, about uh, you know Israel, what the, what's going on with. Uh, so you, yeah, so exactly. So like Trump really, really wanted to set up the playing field for that deal that cannot be made. Israel and in order to do that, he had to take Jerusalem off the table. Right, because otherwise it's not even not even doable. Because nobody, you can't negotiate with something that's not negotiable. Right, because the Israelis are not going to go be happy with it, and the Palestinians are not going to be happy with and it. At the end of the day, in order for Jerusalem to be safe for all religions, only one type of only one side can actually be in charge. Because we've yeah. seen what happens when the but Muslims, like, the Arabs, are in charge. That's for sure, like the unsaid truth. Yeah, and it, but but that's the thing with Trump. Trump, again, I keep on saying, I believe the Trump doctrine is truth on the ground creates policy. Right, so like for Trump, if there's a way to make a deal with the Taliban, which everybody says is a terrorist organization, but they can't. But they're not. No, right. They were associated, they're, 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 they aligned with Al-Qaeda. The Taliban is a, is, a, is a prominent tribe in Afghanistan. You know how many tribes are in Afghanistan? Like yeah, but the, uh, the, 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 the Taliban are, 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 a, are a, basically a government-type society that controlled the smaller clans in that, in the, you know, that region. Exactly. So if you want to like, basically create stability there, you're going to have to make a deal with the Taliban. These are the people that live there. And unfortunately, for whatever the reason was, I think a lot of it had to do with, I mean, a lot of it had to do with the negative. Rea- Trump also floats, people don't understand, Trump floats ideas all the time to see how... And he has no problems pulling them back. Yeah, and that's, and that's part of the genius, in my opinion. Like, I, I'm not, I will not be surprised if tomorrow morning he announces that he's not pulling out the troops from Syria. It's happened before. He said he was going to pull out the troops from uh, no, Syria our, last time, and then he our, didn't. Are like the are the like so to speak anti war crowd going to be totally frustrated and like is our good friend Mike Cernovich or Ryan Gerdutsky going to be like going crazy about this st- kind of stuff? Um, yeah, probably if he keeps people there because that they don't think that he can win an election. 
while he's still engaged in all these wars. I don't know if that's true. I, I don't think it's true either because I don't think it's he's not engaged in a war. He's in, he's engaged. It, the troops are there peacekeeping. Really, they're the not same, actually but fighting. Same, but at the same time, it probably would be better if it was done by NATO and not by. The problem is that Turkey's part of NATO, and they're the part of the problem there. Right, and I don't. I'm not. I'm not really sure. Like again, I don't really see a long term solution to these problems. I think a lot of the reason why we even have these problems is because of the fact that people still will not confront the Westerners in general. Correct. And, 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 and we're going to speak to Oren soon, and, um, and, and he's going to talk a little bit about you know, what's going on in, general, in Israel. We're going to talk to Oren in a minute about the, the – we're going to talk to him about Israeli politics a little bit. We're also going to talk to him from him. In Israeli, about what he thinks about, what he about thinks Turkey. About and, but let me say one thing. Before we go, get to Oren, which he's on the line, so let's, get, get, let's clear this one topic. What do you think about the idea that uh, he was going to meet with Rouhani? What do you think about that with Iran? I I, I think I think um, again, Matt, fake hysteria or 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 legit. I think that you know they 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 tell a story that you know during the first Gulf War, President Bush Senior um, said Saddam Hussein. I don't know if you 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 know this Lesky, but. He then, for the first, I think, one or two times he said his name. He then fixed it and started calling him Saddam Hussein for like a day or two. And then it seems the CIA or whoever it is found out that every time that President Bush said Saddam Hussein, it drove Saddam Hussein absolutely out of his mind. So from then on, President Bush during the first Gulf War, every time he mentioned his name, called him Saddam Hussein. Because he knew it, it completely threw Saddam Hussein off his game. It, it made him absolutely livid. He would throw screaming matches, supposedly, in, uh, amongst his generals. He went nuts. We don't know what Trump is told about these leaders. For all we know, doing this makes, makes the Ayatollahs weak. Um, it could be making internal problems in, inside their government because there is some sort of push-pull there between the civil government and the Ayatollahs. That has been for a long time. We don't know that Trump thinks that if he can stir the pot over there, he can collapse the whole government. And, again, and again, if that's... In, and, is he saying, you know what, let him say whatever he says, but again, you know... We, did he we, meet with him, yes or no? No. So he didn't. So what the hell are people getting... Has he said it? About? Has he mentioned it again? No, no, I don't think so. No, he I hasn't. That he in the Rosh Hashanah call pretty clearly said that he was going to take care of Iran and their bad people. Oh yeah, in that Rosh Hashanah call, he basically said that if Iran even like blinks at at Israel or any other Western aligned country, Egypt, Jordan, it was probably what he was talking about that he would wipe Iran off the map. I mean, he was yeah, very when clear when he talks like that. And then I just don't. So I like this is what I'm convinced, and I think Aaron will agree with us. People, all these people. They literally just want Trump to fail because that they are so terrified of the change that he will bring to the discourse of politics. He, he's a change agent. Yeah. No one likes no no one in power likes a change agent, which is a, a, again why a lot of people didn't like Oren Khazan. Probably, and hopefully, a change is coming, and it's good. Right. Change is good. Fine. All right. So let's get to Oren Khazan right now, and uh, let's see where it goes. All right. So our uh, guest this evening is Oren Khazan. I'm here with Oren in Manhattan. And uh, Aaron, how's everything? Everything is perfect. I'm living my life. I'm 
enjoying with my kids and my wife. I'm learning Torah, and I'm in Manhattan. What can be better than this? So, Oren, tell us, what brings you to Manhattan? Actually, I wasn't supposed to be here, but Rabbi Pinto called me a few days ago and asked me, would you like to come be in Yom Kippur with us in Judgment Day to do the fest with us? And I said, it's a big right for me. It's, it's an honor for me to come here. So I came for Yom Kippur. We're going to do a big party tonight to bring new uh, Torah Bibles, two Torah Bibles, and then fest, and then I go back home. So it was a short trip. So Aaron, Aaron. What what is uh, what is your like what where are you holding right now in your life? Like we know that there was some dirty politics in Likud, some that, drama so that that disabled your ability to get the rightful seat that you deserve. Now, where are we standing right now? First, you need to understand in life, those that don't know how to lose will never know how to win. When you take a part of a game, you need to understand you can lose. In the last primaries in the Likud party, I lost because everybody works against me. They were very afraid of my popularity. They were very afraid about my truth. They were scared from the fact that I put them a mirror on their face, and they work against me. So I lost my seat. It's okay. Then I took um, one step back and decided to not try again in those elections. I prepared myself to the next one. I cannot say that I know exactly what I'm going to do tomorrow morning because I'm very confused. From one side, I want to go back to the Knesset. I want to fulfill my dream to serve the people of Israel. On the other side, in the meantime, I need to bring money home. So I don't want to connect or to do something that I cannot show me the way to the Knesset again. So in those days, what I do, I'm writing a TV show about my life, TV. It's going to be prepared in a few months. I hope to finish it before I go back to the Knesset. In the meantime, I'm learning Torah a little bit. I'm getting stronger in our Judaism. And I'm enjoying my kids. You know, my father always said, my father was a member of Knesset too. And he always tells the story that he knew and he realized that he had a son only when he came to an, uh, an officer uh, school in the army when I finished my course, when I got my degree. So... I don't, want, I don't want it to happen to me too. I don't want to wake up one day and decide and understand that my kids are like 18 or 20 years old and walk with them to, uh, to the wedding. So I'm enjoying those days now. I understand a lot of politicians that say that they take vacation to learn how they, to teach them kids to walk. This is what I do. And hopefully we will not go to election again because it's not good to the state of Israel. But if it will happen, I will be there to try my luck to find myself again in a place that I can serve you. What do you, what do you think the chances of going to now a third elections are? I think it's uh, 100% minus 0.000000. We go to election because, okay, let's say it like this. The last campaign wasn't about military, wasn't about peace process, wasn't about uh, religion, wasn't about economy, wasn't about nothing. The only thing that... The only question on, on the last election was, would Bibi stay with us or would Bibi walk? Yeah, there is a lot of people in Israel that really love Benjamin Netanyahu. They support him. They, they see him. You also, also supported him. Yeah, yeah, of course. I support him. We have, we have a few Despite places that... the drama, you support him a lot. When I see who, who can we get, if it won't be him, exactly. yeah, he's... Uh, I, I prefer Bibi Netanyahu 10,000 times before I want to see Benny Gantz be Prime Minister of Israel. You know, the state is more important than each and every one of us. And right now, when I see the, the guys that stand in front of him, I'm afraid to our future. 
the thing is that, like I said, people of Israel love him a lot, but the politicians hate him, even in the Likud party. There is, you can almost not find even one that said, I want to see Benjamin Netanyahu continue to be Prime Minister of Israel. And as, as long as the question is about Benjamin Netanyahu, if you're going to stay, continue with us or not, they will never find a way because Gantz will never let him to be first and Bibi will never let nobody else to sit on his chair. This is why we go against the election. Maybe, maybe they will find a way to do election, um, personally election only to the seat of the prime minister. If it will happen, it will be good. But I'm can not the sure. Can the Knesset vote on that right now, even though they don't have a government? Yeah, of course, they can. They can. Well, because the, the Knesset law. exists. There are just no ministers. Separate, yeah, exactly. So we right have a separate system. So the Knesset right now can can introduce a law to separate the prime ministership for a special election. Exactly, they can do and it. That will probably happen. Maybe because if not, not if, if we not, will go to another election, as long. As long as the system is like this, we're going to be we're going to continue in the same way. Right. Because you need to understand something. Most of the people that vote for Kakolavan, blue and white, vote for Benny Gantz. They didn't vote for him because they want him, because they believe in him, because he's a leader, because he has charisma. They I mean, didn't. even inside that party, the Lapid's version, the Lapid's group was leaking against Gantz's group, and Gantz's group was leaking against Lapid's the only, group. The only thing that unite them is the hateness to Netanyahu. People that vote for Kaholavan vote for Kaholavan because they didn't want to see, because they didn't want to see Netanyahu. Right. So basically, the the, the idea is is that all of the elections right now, the last two elections have been really, um, you a know, referendum a, a referendum on Bibi, on Bibi himself. And, and and once that's taken, you feel that once that's gone, taken out of the equation, suppose it, like it changes. Changes. Everything. Of course. But do you see you see Bibi stepping down? No, I don't see him stepping down. I think that if you would listen to me two years ago when I told them, go, take yourself, and declare in front of the old people that if they will take you to court, you will move aside and you will clear your seat to other guy from the Likud party to run it. If you will go and you win court, you go back. If you lose, you pay your price. Now he said it. Now he, he, he told to the president, I agree. If we will go to court, I will move aside. It's a little bit too late to do it. Bibi will never lose his, uh, his chair because he knew and he understands that if he will go to court not from the position of prime minister, he will pay the price, exactly like happened to Olmert. Olmert uh, quit his job, went to court, lost. Went and went to, to prison for seven years. No, this was Katsav. Oh, it's Katsav, yeah. right. Olmert was... Uh, one one right. of the reasons that I said what I said um, two years ago, and I paid my price, and I paid the prices, and I lost. And I lost my seat on the Likud party was because I said those things. And I said those things because I don't think that state of Israel can deal with another prime minister that will sit in jail. We're not ready for this. This is not normal. 71 years, we had prime minister in jail, we had president in jail, we have ministers in jail. We cannot get another one. We do, cannot. Do, you think, do you think some of maybe they have to pass some sort of stronger corruption type laws? Do you think, what, what has to change in Israel in the, in the structure do you think that, that maybe they should be moving to a, a voting pattern similar to, let's say, the House of Representatives in America, where you're voting more for people in your own communities, not for these big pol- government bodies, sort of like the House of Commons in Israel, because what, because what happens is is that you can literally grow up in certain parts of Israel and never meet a member of Knesset your entire life because they all come from about six different cities. And that's the majority of the Knesset. 
I'm going to split my, my answer to two. First of all, let's say about the corruption, okay? The reason that we are in those situations is because they changed the, the rules during the years, but they didn't let the politician know that they changed the rules. The politicians of Israel did the same thing like Netanyahu do for many years. Back then, it was okay. After it, it became a, a gray area. Now, it's illegal. Who passed these laws? Didn't the Knesset pass them? The Knesset, of course. They just didn't realize they were passed. Some of, some of them, the Knesset, some of them, uh, the, the ministers themselves, yeah, decided to change, to change the meaning of the law. Sometimes right. the law didn't... Because the, 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 the courts in Israel are extremely activist. Exactly. Oh, the court in Israel is the real government in Israel. But this right. is a long, different story. Second thing, we had that for a long time in the United States until Trump fixed that. I wish we had someone like Trump in Israel. <laughs> he has a very high, uh, uh, very high popularity rate. He actually sort of said that to Bibi. You know, I told that the way I told the president when I saw him recently. I told him that if there's anybody who could be Bibi in an election in Israel, it's you. <laughs> First of all, thank you very much. When I, when I saw the president, I told him, you know, I don't know where he know, but I said, you know, they call me the Israeli Donald Trump. It's funny because when he started his way, they compare him to me. Then he become a president. They stop doing it. I can show an article. Oh, yeah. The biggest, it, yeah. They said the, the American Owen Hazan, and it, it's funny. Why it's funny? Because the world has changed. The media didn't understand it yet. The politician didn't understand they it yet. They still don't understand it. Exactly. The, the progressives the understand it. The progressives understand it because they've been fighting this way for decades. Exactly. And, and, it's, and it's happening in front of our eyes. So now we go back to the second part of your, your answer, of your question, sorry, about the people that run to the Knesset. If they do it by region, by, by town... We have already a big problem with the fact that we have one big party and small, broken, little, small parties. Imagine yourself 120 members of Knesset that not connection to each other. We cannot run the country. I agree with you that the people need to find themselves a messenger of different regions by true parties, not through personally election. You can do it. If they change the system, the system needs to be like these two big parties, and in each party, you have a way to be elect, a way to get elected. To but what, the what would these? But in Israel, but in Israel right now, they're finding that even even if you if you if you if you actually go into Kachov Lavan, right? They're saying the voters of Kachov Lavan, a very large percentage of them are right wing. The but voters, not talking about the people that are running. That's so, true. You think? Do you think so, that's true? I don't know if a lot of them, but some. So of them, what? Sixty-five, seventy percent of the country right now is probably center right. More, more than this. More than that. So where is the second party? There is no. The Arabs? Eggs. No, this is. You, we, we go back to the beginning of our conversation. There is, there is no, there is almost no other party. The left side of the map become. Shalom Akshav is dead. The, totally dead. Yeah, Shalom Akshav is dead. The, the, the Labour Party almost died. The people open their eyes. They see the deal with terror day by day. They see the dream of peace with the Arabs around us will never fulfill itself. This is why they become more left, more, more right. right. More right. They believe, not just, it's not just the old theology that the land of Israel belongs to the Jewish people. It's the understanding that the other side, the enemy, understands only power. And you cannot come... This is why sovereignty is so important. We've spoken about this before. You need to understand, when you serve them a pigeon, they eat them. They eat the pigeon. They don't use it to bring peace. You cannot serve the tiger a pigeon. You cannot. Because when you serve them a pigeon, and I give them a compliment when they say they're tiger, they're more like uh, ahinas than tigers. They're full of hate. The people of Israel understand it. Yet, there is some of them that still believe in uh, 
the old uh, dream of the left side of the, of the map in Israel. The ideology of Ben Gurion died a long time ago. Golda Meir died a long time ago. The left side of the map today are totally different. Zev Jabotinsky is the winner. I, I'm not sure because even Zev Jabotinsky way lost. It's, you, you well, see, yeah, because it, you, his, you his, was, his was right-wing nationalism. But no, as he spoke a about an, ir- about, he spoke about he was, an iron was, fist and an iron wall. We don't deal with an iron fist and an iron wall today. Uh, correct, correct. That is true. Secular. Yes, but he believed secular he believed Zionism that religion died. needed to play a major part of Eretz Yisrael. Most secular most secular Jews today are in, are what they would call chiloni orthodoxy that they're yeah. secular. Yes, but, but, still, all, but all but all of the but all all of the religious Zionist groups came out of Zev Jabotinsky's groups. Yeah, but if you look on back then, Erzel and his company would they don't have any connection not to the Torah, not to right. the others. No, they wanted to find a safe place to Jewish from all over the world, but they didn't want to do it in Israel. They didn't. They didn't have the connection. It wasn't. It wasn't yeah, this was sure. the missing piece. And Ben Gurion, by the way, was. I think he didn't believe in God. He, he, he didn't just not uh, keep Shabbat and didn't wear yarmulke. He didn't believe in God. And yet, when he stood up in front of the whole world, he's Kushan. He's, he, when they ask him, from he, made you right, he made a bracha. From where you take your rights to stand and take the, stand, the state of Israel, the land of Israel, he took the Bible and said, this is my right. So, right? How, does, this, how, do, so how do you explain that? That, 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 that Ben-Gurion could say that this is the my dichotomy. right, but... but at the same time, doesn't believe in God. Like the only way that that Bible has any, has any sort of validity if, is if God. Just like I'm saying, and that's why, by the way, like the Muslim population in Israel, that's where they get their quote unquote right because they believe that any play, that based on the Quran, that anywhere. Yeah, that but that's Muslims what's weird. Have, they can't actually prove it from the Quran. That's the problem. That's the problem they have. It doesn't listener, mention it doesn't the country. <laughs> the fact is that they believe it. Our listeners cannot uh, cannot see me smile right now, but I'm smiling because this is a good question. I always said if our leaders would stand every. Shabbat and read book Dvarim, automatically they will be connected to the land of Israel. Be careful, be careful because the last guy who said things like that in the Knesset got thrown out. He's not there. Yeah, not <laughs> no, there. I'm not, I, I mean that he was never allowed to run again. <laughs> no, no, but this is the truth. You need to understand, you cannot close your eyes, you cannot close your eyes in front of your Bible, in front of your history, in front of your legacy. This is the truth. God 100%. gave the land of Israel to the Jewish people. And that's we why are, it says Bereshit bara Elokim. Exactly. The first Rashi, the first uh, um, Rashi, the first, the first Rashi. Rashi was a writer uh, on the Bible, and he writes, "Why, why did the, the Bible start this way? Because the nations of the world are going to ask where the Jews have the right to the land of Israel, and the answer is God created the world. He has the right to tell whoever wants to live where." Well, right, let's, change, let's change. We have, we're running out of time. Let's just change gears for five seconds. Just one more thing about yeah, what you sure. say. You say Quran. If you look on the Quran, the name Jerusalem, it's never mentioned. Not, mentioned not only that, but but the also the oh the, the mosque, also the mosque, the the with the the mosque that is on the Temple Mount, which they the name in in Arabic translates into the outer mosque, was not in Israel. It was in or Arabia. Yeah. Al-Aqsa Mosque is somewhere in Saudi Arabia. It's not really in Jerusalem. So, what you, so you saw today what happened with Trump pulling out of Syria and all the hysteria. With the Kurds. Uh, with the Kurds. You see the hysteria both here in the United States, obviously, with within, within the both, GOP. Within the GOP and the left. And then you also have that hysteria in Israel, that Trump's now abandoning his allies and all that. Like, this let me ask you. What, 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 what? I'm trying to keep my mouth, but this is bull. <laughs> Trump 
Trump didn't forget us. Trump didn't throw his friends out. Trump is very, very, very uh, realistic. He understands that there is bigger and more important things than being in Syria right now. He understands that Syria, it's a children's game. He wants to go to the super, uh, how you call it, uh, the to top the of the NFL, leagues. the major league, yeah. He wants to go to the Super Bowl. He understands that he need, if he will fix the things with Iran, the things with Syria will end already. It's, all it's not only that, but we also, everyone thinks that these Kurds are all the same and they're not. No, these are not the ones that are aligned with Israel and aligned with the West. No, like a guy like Naftali Bennett, and I don't know, like you might like be friends with him or not. You know, you know this figure of speech player. Yeah, Naftali Bennett is a player. He he do he asks questions. You're saying he does whatever is politically expedient for himself. See what bring him more likes. If it's going to give him like on Facebook, so he will say it. So basically anybody who's like... so He wanted to show that he was... Se- I think he wanted to show today that he was separate from Bibi and that he's not Trump's lapdog. Or maybe he wanted to show that he can play on the major league too. Right. Same idea. Interesting. Do you think that... Do you, so so in, in essence, you feel like it's mad, fake hysteria and like people have to... You cannot... Uh, you cannot ignore the fact that the Turkish started to attack the Kurdish in Syria. Maybe like a mini war happened there. But by the way, I'm just um, just say something small between us. Nobody hears us. Let them kill each other. It's okay about me because as long that they as long that they like as long as they're fighting wars other, amongst them, they're not fighting a war in Israel. Exactly. Look, for example, Hezbollah. Hezbollah is not attacking Israel for two reasons. 2006, we we kicked them. Outtakes, yeah, they pay the price. The second reason for the last six years, Hezbollah is fighting with ISIS. He lost thousands of soldiers. Oh, really? He cannot fight into, into right. As long as Hezbollah is fighting with ISIS, they're not fighting so Israel. Exactly. So, and, and, this is and, the truth. This is why I said it doesn't matter what's going up with the Kurdim and with with the Turkish inside with with Bashar. What scares me more is the Russians. The Russians that play the game on the so back of us. Do you think Russians, though, would shoot down Israeli planes if they attacked in Syria? They, they allowed chance, it a few they, times. They had the chance to do it. Some sources that try to do it. Let's say deep inside, I hope they will not do it. Supposedly, the Russians aren't capable of shooting down the American jets. That's why do it didn't happen. Think, it's, think? It's, it's happened only because it's, it will happen only if it served them the interest. Well, no. So from what, I, from, what, from what we were told was that the, the sorties that were run were with the new the F-35s, F-35s and the Russians have no way of shooting down the F-35. No, uh, they don't know how. Again, the Russians play the same game like the American. They look at the big picture. Right. To drop down a small one F-35, okay, it will be, ah, collapse, we are good, we show that we have the ability, and then what? In the end of the day, Russia needs... Right. If, if they could shoot it down, they're not going to do it there. Exactly. They don't want America to know they can. They will keep, they will keep them cards close to them chats, to the right and real moment, then they will need to do it, and then they will surprise the American. They will not surprise us because we know everything, but... I think they will not do it right now because they still want to continue to use the sea. And the only interest that uh, Russia has in Syria is the connection to the uh, to ocean. the Middle East Ocean, yeah, right. to the ocean and to the Middle the East. Right. They want to warm. They want a warm. They want a warm water uh, uh, um, place yeah, to put their ships. Well, thank you so much, Oren. Uh, it's a pleasure to see you. Uh, we hope to I see you. It was you the know. most. Uh, how I said it, a uh, relaxed interview I did in my life. Yeah, we're very, we're very relaxed. We, we've, we've, maybe it's because Fred Flight said it was also the same thing Fred Flight said. He loves, he loves being on our show. Everybody loves being on our show. Because we're very, again, hopefully. Yeah, hopefully as a member of Chavre Knesset. You have my number. Tova. Tova. And as we say, a good gebenched year. A good blessed year.
bless, bless you too. God bless you. God bless Israel and God bless America. Amen. All right, that was a really great uh, interview with Oren Hazan, who used to be a member of Knesset, and hopefully we will be again very soon if they go to third elections, which I think they're going to do. Clearly, Oren wants to be in the Knesset. And I think... Um, At the same time, he wants to make money. I know, that's the, that's the problem in Israel, which is why I think they have a lot of... Uh, they, they, I, don't think, I think they need to pay their members of Knesset a little bit more. Um, and I also think that... Because um, I think that's why there's a lot of corruption over there. Well, the graft is really because of the fact that there are the people there make no money. Yeah, and um, I do think that they need to go to, as, as Chesky said, I think they need to go to uh, a, a way that the ministers are appointed outside of the Knesset. We need to have separate elections for prime minister. And I, they tried that. It didn't work. No, they need to just do it. They just need to do I, it. I think they can do the prime ministership as part of the Knesset. I think they just the ministers should be just regular civilians that they appoint. And that way you're not horse trading entire parts of the government uh, away, it's not like you know. It it it, it uh, or they need to go to com- communal elections that like they do in the House of Commons, where you then can have um, ministers that come from the government because those ministers are actually you can actually knock on your neighbor's door, who's the minister of education, and say, "Hey, cut it out." Yeah, well, the the, the question that they did this Norwegian law that they were trying to like change things a little bit, but. It basically was, it only allows for one spot though. Yeah, and it was also used as a tool to like basically shove another Knesset member into the Knesset. It wasn't really done to revolutionize the system. Right. I think that we're gonna see a lot of I think their Supreme Court needs to do a complete overhaul. Well, a, lot, I, a lot of things about and, it. And I think and I'm gonna be honest with you, I mean listen, the Haredim obviously was listening to the their their rabbis when they did this, but I think it was a very big mistake in the beginning of the country that they fought against a constitution. They could have made a civil constitution. It would, uh, I, you know, it, it, I think it would have solved a lot of problems because back then I think students from the yeshivas probably would have been ha- had a constitutional uh, separation there. Um, but uh, listen, it is what it is. I do think they still need to have a constitution there. It could be, you know, very similar to the United States Constitution, freedom of speech, freedom of religion, freedom of the press, those types of things. And I think the Supreme Court, if for nothing else, I think they need to have a, a constitution that gives them a form of government that actually works. I do think that they need to have um, uh, either bicameral or, or – and this fits with the sovereignty push that we're doing because this would allow for you know voting for local uh, um, government structures in the Arab areas. But they really should probably not vote for who's in the Knesset because, you know, as, you know, Mayor Kahana said, you now have, you now, you could have very easily ended up right now with a prime minister picked by the Arabs. Had they gotten three more seats, four more seats. Yeah, well, thank God. God takes care of the Jewish people. Thank God. God, you know, is a, there's a saying in Judaism, God takes t- care of the stupid, so. You know, to quote the president, he said, Somehow things work out. They always do. Yeah. So, you know, with that, we will wish you a uh, happy new year. Um, we and yeah, Are we going to do our podcast over Sukkot? I'm not sure yet. I guess we will have to take a wait and see approach on that. Right. And uh, follow, on social, follow us on social media. And uh, again, have a happy new year, everybody. You've been listening to The Moss Show. Broadcasted from the Socialist Republic of New York. But please, don't tell our governor he asked us to leave. They have no place in the state of New York. Tune in again next week, Tuesday at 9 p.m. Eastern. Or go to J-Tribe Radio to listen to the podcast anytime on Play, iTunes, and Stitcher.